into the contest. It's Tuesday, the 26th of July. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. And Shane, you've got a, a little bit of a, a, a virusy thing sort of flicking about. And look, you're the king of the kitchen. What, what do you cook to sort of soothe things up? My mum, God rest her soul, always said to do a gargle with honey, lemon and oil. Mm. That always helped the throat issues. Yeah, it does do um, a little bit, mate. But uh, for me, it's soup, mate. So I made a nice um, ham, hock and pea soup last night with some crusty bread mm. and got some early night, an early night's sleep, mate. A bit, a bit of good sleep and uh, drank plenty of water. Feeling not too bad today. We don't live that far from each other. Just cry back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, over okay, and, no um, I'm feeling fine, but I'd love a little bit of P&M soup. Now, Alan Border has come out on the front foot and said David Warner should no longer be banned from a leadership role. People sort of tend to prick their ears when he talks. What about this whole Cody Simpson, Emma McKeon thing? They seem in rubber glove. And all the AFL news, including Richmond triple premiership hero, Kane Lambert, retiring. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Now, when Alan Border speaks, uh, most people listen. He captained Australia through a torrid old time in the 80s and then went on to have extraordinary success in the 90s. Uh, played on till he was 38 years of age, retiring in South Africa. But he's come out and said that David Warner should no longer be banned from leadership roles. Uh, where are you on all of this? I'll tell you where I am. Um, look, I agree with Alan Border on this. I think uh, 2018, this thing happened. Um, two years after, Steve Smith, who was captain of that team, had his leadership ban lifted. Um, but for some reason, David Warner uh, is unable to take any leadership role. Whether he gets the role or not is not not the point here. This just points to me as a bit of a Cricket Australia cover-up. It's, it's the only reason why they're not um, allowing him to change. I just think when Warner finishes playing cricket upon retirement, he'll do a tell-all book and give his version of, that, of those events. But the fact that he's still banned, look, it's cost the guy probably $10 million. He made a big mistake. He's put his, his personal life put through the ringer. Um, I just think it's time to uh, let bygones be bygones and uh, give him another chance. That was the thing about him and this whole story, wasn't it? Like his role in it was always a little murky. Mm. Steve Smith was pretty obvious because he was captain and he got punished because he was the leader, although they didn't think that he was immediately involved in what went down. But the whole David Warner thing was never really um, articulated, was it? never really came out to say what he did. No, and and uh, it's never the fingers never been pointed at a number of uh, people involved in this match, and um, I think mm. they will all come out in the future. But it, it just reeks of a, a, a total cover up. Look, I've always had the um, the opinion, whether this is true or not, that uh, everyone within that team knew what was going on. A lot of yeah. a lot of denied that. But uh, that'll all come out, I think, when Dave Warner fi- finally retires. Um, and Nathan Lyon has gone down the aisle again. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Uh, he married uh, his beautiful new wife, Emma McCarthy. So, um, yeah, there was plenty, plenty of good stuff online. Go, Gary. Good on you, Gaz. <laughs> You're the goat. He, um, he looked very, very happy. Uh, so did his wife. Now, uh, Cameron Smith, this is always good news when you see an Australian do well overseas and they come back home, particularly in the world of golf, because we... 
look, we, we struggle a little, don't we, with, with our tournaments out here. They used to be quite strong. We used to see Jack Nicholas and others come and play the Australian Open. But for Cameron Smith to come back with the Claret Jug and play over the summer, it, it really helps. It does. Helps big time for Australian PGA and, and, and golf here. He's going to play both the Australian Open and the Australian PGA. Um, and he said, look, he just wants to spend um, uh, Christmas in Queensland and he's going to bring the Claret jug, jug with him, Tim. Now, I, I want to place a little bet on the show with you, Tim. I bet you he loses this jug at some stage. <laughs> I reckon he'll lose it. He'll, he'll, it'll fall off his boat when he's fishing or he'll leave it somewhere in a pub. So you reckon, thank God, they don't give him the original? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, Ange Postacoglu, um, when he went across to coach Celtic, I think lots of commentators in the UK and – and journalists said, oh, Ange who? Uh, he's really, he's really uh, got people talking and they all know who he is now. And, and Celtic has impressed. I know we're you know, only on the doorstep now of um, the start of competition over there right across their soccer or football seasons. And they've, they've done well against Norwich. They have. They won 2-0 in a pre-season mm. match. But uh, Postacoglu, he, he's, he's got – Celtic's not a club. It's, it's, it's more of a movement. Almost, they have a huge supporter base, um, and he has strong belief um, not only in his players within one year, but within within the supporters. Look, they believe they can go back to back here, and uh, it's hard to believe that they won't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, mm. when Emma McKeon and Cody Simpson um, hooked up, uh, it surprised a lot of people because Emma's sort of quite a uh, quiet uh, South Coast girl, and and Cody's this rock star. It seems a, an unlikely matchup, but. They they seem very much in love, um, don't they? Yeah, and they've had to push aside a lot of rumours. Um, Emma was formerly with uh, the other swimmer, Kyle Chalmers, mm. um, and uh, they, they both denied that uh, that one year where there was a bit of a crossover there that uh, nothing happened. They didn't act on their feelings. But they do seem very much in love now. But look, he's a rock star with abs, mate. Mm. You, can't, mm. you can't blame her, can you? Oh, yeah, no, no, he certainly, he certainly looks good. He looks like a barista in waiting as well. He's got all those little tattoos. Um, yeah, the, the, Cody Simpson and Emma McGinn, we wish them all the very best. Stay with yeah. us. We've got all the AFL, NRL and a lot more. Now, the AFL has come out and said that Jack Ginnivan should have received a free kick for that head-high tackle, and you and I both said that the other day. It was so damn obvious. Yeah, thanks for the scoop, AFL. Um, but still, this um, new rule is very, very muddy to me. Mm. Um, it, it, it came with a caveat. They said, yes, Jack Ginnivan should have been given a free kick, but they said he initiated it. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. If you look at all the, all the photos and the video, um, there's an arm right around his neck, right to the ground, and it's just appalling. Um, I, I do feel for Jack Ginnivan a, a bit. He's a, he's a good young footballer. Yes, he, he has a questionable technique, how he slides down in tackles to try and milk free kicks, but that doesn't give people a right to uh, give him a coat hanger every time he goes in for the ball. This is a real early retirement, isn't it, for Kane Lambert? He's He's been a mm. rock star for Richmond. He really has triple premiership hero, and only 30, he's been forced into retirement. He has with an ongoing hip injury. He's a three-time premiership player, um, but at 30 years of age, he just said he can't go on anymore. This is a really good story, and a lot of young people should listen to this one because he was not drafted until the age of 23. Mm. He normally get drafted 17, 18, or 18, I should say, um, and was passed up 836 draft selections. Um, and most people would have given up by then. 
but he went on to win three premierships, played 135 games in his 30 years, and is a, is a will go down as a superstar of the Richmond Football Club. So, you know, hard work and perseverance definitely pays off. When, when it comes to parochialism, you go to Western Australia and look at the way that those two teams and their supporters operate. Yeah. Then you go to Adelaide and see the, the divide between Adelaide and Port Adelaide. They, they absolutely hate each other, but they're passionate about their footy clubs. And if their teams aren't doing well, captains, coaches, others are in the spotlight. And it seems that Ken Hinckley is right in it at the moment at Port Adelaide. But, um, well, for this point anyway, he seems unmoved. Look, um, the only place I've seen less teeth uh, wasn't at a Port Adelaide concert. It was at a, it was at a, it was at a um, Keith Urban concert. It's the only place I've seen less teeth. <laughs> and uh, and their, their supporters are very passionate to the point where they've put a sign up on the front, outside the front of the office there in Port Adelaide, Sack Hinkley. Um, it's a bit of a water off his duck's back, but you have to say they had two, game, two full games now outside the eight. Mm. They won't make the finals. Um, and with their squad, I think they have grossly underachieved. Now, the Manly Seagulls are teetering on the edge. They've got a pivotal game this week against the Roosters at home. And uh, look, it's been a, a board decision, and I think personally a real step in the right direction with the Pride jersey this weekend. But I don't know whether they've completely done their due diligence because there's a lot of guys in that team who, uh, for religious reasons, are um, starting to wonder why. And they're at that point now where they're going to pull out of the game. This is seven players. Yeah, look, I, I don't agree, Tim. I've, I've never agreed. I, I, I have no problem um, with um, inclusivity, and I, and I think it's really, really important in, in the world that we live in today. I've never been a fan of Indigenous round, I must say. I, I think um, when they say, you know, Michael O'Loughlin, who's a mate of mine, is an Indigenous footballer, well, no, he's an AFL footballer. Um, and, and I think the very fact that they try and make this stuff inclusive has the opposite effect. And, you know, where, where do we stop? Do you have rounds for certain religions? Do you have rounds for, if you're if you're overweight, overweight people, do you have rounds for... Um, redheads, I, I don't know, Tim. It's it's just going too far. They definitely haven't done their due diligence, and five players now are standing down um, for this game. And, and Des Hasler is supporting that, and he can't really not. Um, he's got guys with his team with certain religious beliefs. I, I can see what the Manly Fo- Football Club were trying to do, but I just don't think that we need to highlight all these issues. Sport is a place where we go to get away from all this stuff. And I don't know why sports is being using as a as a as a pillar to try and make all these political statements. It's just not the right thing to do. I don't think. Well, look, I don't know. I, I don't really agree with you on that one. I think that, I think mm. there is a place, and that's okay. We don't always agree. I, yep. I think there's a place for messaging. I just think in this instance that that they just haven't done the the background work, and you can't go and make boardroom decisions and go and tell people to do stuff without checking with them. And it's sort of mm. and that happens everywhere, like and it happens all the time in sport. And you know, and when they get backlash like this, because they can't now say we're not going to wear the jersey because they'll cop it left, right, and centre. So they've they've really put themselves in a, in a difficult position, and they have to win. So this is going to be an interesting game of football. And the Roosters, as we saw last week against Newcastle, were very strong. What about Kevin Proctor um, at the, at the Gold Coast Titans vaping during the game? And then, sorry, mate. See ya. What a fool. Um, look, this guy's already been um, busted buying cocaine at the front of nightclubs in the past. He was a former Titans captain, but he's, he's recorded a video of himself, as you said, vaping half time and posted it, like, and been sacked on the spot. Like, 
you're a fool, mate. Um, you're just giving away a, a professional career that most people would cut their arm off to to achieve. And um, particularly with all the stadiums, you're not allowed to smoke. Um, smoking's banned from advertising because kids watch the game. And he's just saying the wrong message. It's just a foolish, foolish thing that he's done. And the thing about Stupid. that vaping, I mean, neither you or I are doctors. Like, there hasn't no. been enough research yet, has it? Because it's so new. No. Like We've yeah. sort of seen the cigarette stuff. Um, Daniel Ricciardo, he's called teammate Lando Norris an asshole. Well, he has, or but they're not sure whether he meant it or not. He oh, used okay. the, the Italian term um, stronzo. Stronzo, okay. which depending on what um, context it's used in, can mean different things. Okay. But he, but he was, but he was brought. Uh, the the interviewer stopped him uh, a few times and said, "Mate, that's a bad word." He kept saying it, mm. um, and uh, the context that the reporter thought he was using meant you're an asshole. So <laughs> he's pretty funny, Daniel Ricardo. Um, anyway, we'll see how it goes from there, mate. But uh, yeah, no love lost between those two. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think they like each other. No. I remember interviewing one Bubla Montoya, the, the Williams driver, when we did, were covering the Grand Prix at Channel Nine years ago, and he was a very difficult interview. And I said, "Look, you and Ralph Schumacher, your two, your teammate at Williams, um, look, there's been strong speculation that you don't get on." And he goes. We're teammates, not boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a long line of very short answers he gave yeah. me. Now, uh, look, uh, a lot of the work that I do beyond our podcast and TV on Sky News is MC work. And obviously, you've emceed a lot of functions and weddings. And that's how we're going to finish today. Shane Lee on the microphone. Yeah, well, uh, it just got me thinking and it reminded me mm. of a wedding I emceed for a good mate of mine, Kerry Penfold. Um, I grew up with Kerry. Kerry was a first-grade cricketer. Um, Kerry had one eye um, and scored, I think, five or six first-grade hundreds. Fantastic batsman. Um, but Kerry's very laconic and never, ever took pretty much anything seriously <laughs> except for his cricket. Um, and the day he got married, I was there and the, the priest was sort of going through the nuptials and Kerry was just rolling his eyes, let's get on with this. And uh, when... The, the one moment we had to try and be serious, Kerry, do you take Donna to be your wife? He just said in a very Australian way, yeah, no worries, mate. <laughs> no worries, mate. Of course, mate. No worries. No worries. Anyway, <laughs> that wedding only lasted about three years. <laughs> oh, did it? Oh. Morning, Kerry. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Timmy, if you like a punt and you want to buy a horse, check out the Osher Group, mate. Fantastic sponsors of the show. Yeah, and all the good horses are starting to come back mm. for the spring. It's an exciting time, of course. Thank you to our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience podcast on your favorite podcast app.